Okay, good morning, everybody. Thanks very much for joining us on this week's podcast um, for Arcadum. We are going to be focusing this week on emerging markets for iGaming. Um, as always, that we have over the last few weeks, I've got Philip and Christian on the line. So thanks very much for joining us, gentlemen. No problem. Thank you. So let's just dive straight in. Um, really good topic for, for this week's conversation. Uh, first question that I've got, guys, really are, what are the top five emerging markets for casino games right now? So with uh, emerging markets, it's always um, new markets coming on. But the top five at the moment, I, I would say we're looking at uh, um, continent like Africa, India is going quite well. Uh, South America, yep. uh, one of the absolute biggest ones now is the US. Yep. Absolutely, because the US are sort of regulating all the states. Yes. And, and then Japan, as the well. last one. Japan as well. We're seeing a massive trend over in Japan. So I would say this is the five top markets at the moment that, that people are trying to penetrate with um, coming in. What do you guys class then, or how are they classed as emergent themselves? And obviously, he's talking about the US being one of the big ones. What makes them sort of an emerging market? So the US is a really good example because what they're doing over there, they're kind of regulating each state, and each state has its own kind of regulatory body and regulations. So it's kind of, in fact, like a country in Europe. It's kind of like one is the UKGC near enough, one is kind of the Swedish one and the Danish one. So that's what each state's kind of doing. And it's actually impacting depending what state, because states, some states as well have kind of Indian gaming reservations, which then implement onto the state's regulations. So it's kind of, you have to see what happens in each state before you can kind of see what you're going to do in each state. It's, it's really strange. And you can see a lot of casinos um, or sportsbook products going over and putting the flag down in a specific state and saying, this is our, you know, New Jersey's ours. And uh, it's, it's, it's really interesting to see how it's going. It's like the Wild West button regulated wild west is right okay one at the same time do you think that's one of the things that's changed then and improved the presence of iGaming that people are actually putting their stamp um you know on a specific state in a specific area saying right let's go this is where our game is going to come next and let's go for it i think it's good for branding because you know you can push your brand further in that state and then it'll just expose to the states that are kind of side by side and it'll just bleed into them and then it gets obviously around the entire country but I think the biggest thing about the US market is for such a long time, Nevada, the state with the land-based casinos had such a grip, but I think it was loosening um, over the last couple of years and that's why we kind of seen regulatory states. But then I think with COVID impacting them so much, you've seen like massive brands um, like Season Entertainment buying billions and billions of stuff, which is such a big deal. Was it 3.5 billion or something like yeah. that? It's, it's a massive, massive uh, acquisition there. Yeah. Uh, and for Caesar's Entertainment to do an acquisition like that of a company like William Hill, that means that they mean business for the online world in America. So I think in the US market, we'll see a lot of changes come mm-hmm. moving forward, especially with, as Philip mentioned, all the different regulations in states. It will be really hard to, to be a full picture of everything that's happening. So I think it will, it will be an interesting journey to see how this works out. And yeah. I believe that this market will actually be flourishing uh, as much as Europe has been uh, in the start of my gaming, if not already, very, very soon. Yes, totally, because the players are used to, you know, sports betting being not legal in so many yeah. states and casino being a very land-based, outdated kind of field. But now they're coming into the fresh world of online gaming where it's completely different. You know, you actually see it, it feels like a video game and 
the graphics are better in the RTPs actually more in the player's favor and um, because in Vegas slots they tend to be 70% RTP or lower whereas online it's around 95, 96, 97 so they're going to be getting a lot more bang for the buck as the Americans like to say yeah. Um, yeah. Pardon the book. but I feel just not even the industry as well the players are going to want to play on the online sphere more because they're, they're going to get value there and they're going to get more entertainment as well and they can do it from home Cool so just talk a little bit guys then if, if you wouldn't mind just about the sort of some experiences you may have had actually physically working in these markets, these emerging markets, and how you can bring that uh, to Arcadum. I used to um, be the casino coordinator for Latin AM for Betson, and part of my markets were Peru, Brazil, and Chile, and you know, more of the Latin markets. And I was working on the established brand that was Betson, but then they launched the BetSafe brand as well in Peru and Chile. So I got to kind of experience what it's like to work on an established brand there that's been there for 10 years, dom- you know, dominating the movie market, and then also working on a brand that's owned by the same company, but trying to build up a reputation there. And you learn about players' trends, because for me, obviously being from the UK, it's a completely different culture, and the players work differently. So it's, it's a lot of lessons, and that's what's exciting about an emerging market, because, you know, Peru, Chile and everything, you learn about their cultures, but in, for instance, the African continent market, you can learn about that, the US market, Japanese players are completely different as well. They they like to everything to be very formal and you look at every single rule rule in the game just to make sure they know what they're talking about. So I think it's more a learning curve for everyone because you have to learn about that specific culture and that specific you know country's play style. And then you can benefit by you know, targeting some of your games there or just improving your game experience overall. Yeah. And also from, from, from our game developer or um, studio point of view for Arcaden. Uh, it's very important for us, depending on which market we enter, like for example in Africa. Um, you know, we, we're very used to having all the, the internet and the bandwidth you want here in Europe, but that's not the, the case in countries like Africa and India, where they still, you know, they pay for data for megabytes. Um, yeah. So, really high graphic games, almost very popular in these areas because you cannot load them. So, for example, in Africa, Opera Mini is a, is a browser we most of us haven't even heard of. It's yep. the most popular one in Africa, mm-hmm. uh, and that's due to the, the low bandwidth uh, consumption. Um, so these are something things we have to think about as a game provider when we enter every market. Obviously, not with the US, we have the same, but we always try to make sure that we, we cover all all markets yep. that we're trying to enter. So we do our research before and make sure that the player experience is still up to the scratch we want. It's the same with the currency in the language as well. So we want a player to load up, you know, in Japan or Peru or wherever they are. They see the native language, they see the currency they want to play in, so it's not impacting their experience because they're not going to load it up and they're not going to see Euros and they're not going to see English because they might not speak English, you know, not, not everyone in the world speaks English, so they're not going to understand what they're playing and that's not good for a player experience. So we want them to load it up and say, oh, Japanese. And um, we've looked at Evil Elf, for instance, it looks fantastic in Japanese. I, I can't stop looking at the game in Japanese. And it's, it's just, I want players to understand that and be able to enjoy the experience even more than they would load up a game that's in English. That was going to be one of my questions, right? Because ultimately, when we're looking at providing support for this, it's not just about the actual in-game experience itself. It's like what happens after that. You know, we've got to be able to provide, you know, the same experience that someone has, you know, in the UK to where they have, as you say, in Japan. So that has to be part and parcel of, of, of how we build for the future and into our games as well. I mean, from a provider standpoint, we always want to make sure it's just the game, so we focus on that. Make sure the game, as you mentioned, the language, currency, whatever, is for that country. But we would also support a casino, for instance, if they asked us to assist in marketing, if they wanted to do something for a specific market, 
if they wanted to us to make a visual for them for that, you know, we'll, we'll cooperation and because we want players to enjoy them, even marketing for them as well. So we're all on board with that with that cooperation. You know, it's not just the provider and the operator. You know, we work as a team as well. And I think the operator's job is to support the customer, and ours is also as well via them. So we're willing to build that bridge and help as much as possible. Absolutely, it's always um, we always support the the, the the operators in any way we can. Um, it's, uh, for us, we have a good communication channel with, with everybody we work with. Um, so as Philip said, we provide them. We have regular talks with everybody we, we serve in this uh, every area uh, to make sure they're happy. And if there's anything they need, we make sure that we are. We help them with their needs to make sure that everything's success from there. And one of the things that we've we've talked about at, at quite length, actually, um, and I think we did a podcast a couple of weeks ago regarding responsible gaming. So let's just take responsible gaming and how does how do we deal with it from a company perspective in these new markets that we're merging into? I mean, for us, we don't think about that because all our games, we focus on responsible gambling anyway. We don't care if it's a regulated market or a non-regulated market. We make sure our games are safe for players regardless. So it's never an afterthought, it's always a pre-thought. So we don't even think about it when we're doing the game production because it's already there in the, in the GUI layout of our games. Mm-hmm. So for us, it doesn't matter. It's always there regardless. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we want to make sure the games are safe. So that's what they are. Yes, yeah, not also as Philip just follow responsible gaming as, as we had the podcast a few weeks ago. It's always in our forefront, in our minds. Um, so everything with both to gaming and legislation in these markets, it goes hand in hand almost. That we we, um, we make sure that the games are, are, are ready and they are protecting the players, so to say. Final question I've got just on on this overall topic of emerging. So is there any sort of potential markets um, that are emerging right now that you know we sort of look as potential for us to try and get into at a later stage, either you know, 2021 or, or even further down the line that you think might be an opportunity for us to be part of? For us, we're already in kind of Latin, we're in Africa, we're in Japan. For me, the US market is the one where we're looking at and, you know, two months time, we could be in the US market. We don't, we don't know, you know, someone might want to take our content there. So that's something we're focusing on, but I, we're not focusing specifically into one market because we want to service players around the world. So I think it's very narrow-minded to focus on one area. It's good to see that, but you need to keep your eye on the ball in the rest of the world. Yes, we're all about making games that players want to play, that they enjoy. It should be an entertainment for them. Uh, it should not be... Uh, some people like these classic machines, but then you go to a small niche group. But we are more... Uh, we're trying to make our games more uh, friendly to, to everybody, mm-hmm. so to say. Um, so there's no just this game is only made for Europe this game is only made for Asia uh, obviously with certain um, um, areas uh, we will have to there will be a, maybe it's not in Africa certain countries say we cannot release the game due to as we mentioned before internet connectivity and forth. Yeah. But otherwise we'll be always uh, looking forward and I think the US would be the most exciting one out there mm-hmm. to enter after all these years with legal gambling going on in the US online, they're finally legalizing it now, which is very exciting. That's uh, all the time we've got for, so thanks very much for, for taking the time this morning. Um, well, and uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you next week, boys. All right. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye. Cheers, Bye. guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.